Good morning. It's Iowimala, and it is Tuesday, January the 26th. Today, I don't know if I can get this. Let's see. Let me try to see. Can you see the snow? Yeah. Maybe you can. So we had probably the most, well, it certainly is the most snow we've had this winter over overnight. And this morning, my friend Allison Lewis in, uh, and a great noble friend in Las Vegas sent me a picture of her front yard. It actually looked like there was just a little, like, white sand scattered a few places. And, uh, you know, we always laugh about that because places like Houston and Las Vegas, when you, when they get snow in the city, it's, uh, it's hardly anything. And Allison had told us in one group that, uh, when they get those rare occasions of snow, people get, are kind of freaked out about it because they never have, they never drive in snow that things can shut down. But she told me this morning that the schools are all online, so the kids are all at home. So I had other people on Facebook sending pictures from Las Vegas with their kids playing in what I, I'm, I'm going to believe was snow. And there's a reason I'm telling you this story, because we can kind of joke when you're in the Midwest, you can kind of tease other people in places that don't get snow, how, uh, you know, they're, they don't know snow. But in Las Vegas, then I had, uh, I had looked at a Facebook clip from this morning from Vern Quiver. And um, I'm sorry, Vern, I probably mispronounced your last name. But uh, he showed the snow around where he lives, which is a little bit more than Allison's yard. But then he showed pictures of the mountains around Las Vegas. And of course, they they had a big, they got a lot of snow and it was just magnificent and beautiful and nothing, we see nothing like that here in the flat Midwest. So it's all about our perspective, right? And our perceptions of things. So if our, if our viewpoint is, is uh, just only what's right in front of us, it didn't look like much snow and it wasn't much to even get excited about, but when you see the bigger picture, when you get the broader uh, moving back angle, it was magnificent up in the mountains. And of course, Las Vegas is just circled with those mountains. So it was gorgeous. So the point of view is pretty important. So thank you, Vern, for sending those pictures out too. But I grew up in Houston, so I remember the few, few, few times that there was any snow, how excited everyone got and how life stopped, you know, because there was snow outside, usually for about oh, maybe a few hours and then it was gone. So it's a good thing to think about. It's pretty good Dhamma just to see the, the close-up and the bigger picture. We are talking about that in our book group with Pema Chodron's Welcoming the Unwelcome. That, uh, you know, we rarely see the uh, final, maybe there is no final, but we rarely see the, the outcome of our actions, even of our metta practice. 
or being just uh, develop living the precepts, developing metta and compassion, we rarely see the ultimate expression of those or outcome. Yet we know that everything that changes that can change the universe has to start within us. So that we had a good discussion about that, how we we just can't know if we're kind to someone or uh, do something that that might uh, might encourage someone else or help someone or from a big gesture to the tiniest gestures, just smiling at someone or being aware of someone. We never know what the the end result is. We may never even realize we're doing it at the time. But I think we have to uh, remember that when we're, when we feel that, when we feel despair or when we feel hopeless about any impact we can have or, oh, if, if it's not worth doing anything uh, to help others because they'll disappoint you or they're not worth it, or they don't think like I do, or they have their opinions are wrong, their viewpoints wrong, their religions wrong. Anytime we're doing, anytime we feel that overwhelming feeling, like what's it, what's it all about? We have to. If you're a student of the Buddhist teachings, you always have to come back and remember. And and I think we really have to learn to believe too. Um, but we only know this because of the insight that we will develop that everything we do can make a difference. It's making a difference within us, and we we don't know. We don't know what the broader view is. We don't know, you know, we don't we, we aren't able to see out onto those mountains or out into the future or uh, wherever wherever we're we're Whatever we're doing is is meaningful in a meaningless world, right? <laughs> so our kindnesses to others and our metta that we send to others, and that's even to our difficult people, even to our enemies. Um, it ha- it's all about how it's changing us within and purifying our minds. So... That's changing the universe. So I just wanted to share that. It was a it, we, it was a good discussion, and I like and I thought Vern's pictures of the uh, of the mountains just just draped in the gorgeous snow, and they're not that far away in Las Vegas. You don't have to drive very far to to get up and take a hike up where there's lots of snow right now. I'm sure. And uh, so that kind of uh, changes my attitude about that little bit of snow on the, no snow on the sidewalks and just a little tiny sprinkle in the yards. That's just one angle, right? That's just one spot. So I'm going to try and appreciate all of our snow because it's messages up closer. So on Sunday, I was reading a little bit from this book, Awareness. I know it's backwards, so it doesn't do much good for me to hold it up, does it? Awareness alone is not enough. And it's a Q&A book 
where they're talking to the teacher, Ashin Tajania, and he is Burmese. And I uh, thought I was saying Thai, and I, when I listened to my talk, the very first reference I made to him, I, call him Tibet, I called him Tibetan. And I, I've always known he wasn't Tibetan, but I couldn't remember if he was Thai or Burmese, and he is a Burmese monk. And he has four books, and I encourage you to go to his go to his website and check out the books. And maybe you can find one in your own bookcase. But I uh, I find him I find him very very easy to understand and uh, and read. At the end of this book, there's he has food for thought. And he actually has, as food for thought, he has how many? Almost a hundred. I bet it's a hundred. He has a hundred and eight things that are food for thought. So I'm not going to read all of them, but they're little pithy statements. These are um, the following points are a mixture of short reflections, ideas, and suggestions from Ashin Tejaniya. Since they are taken out of context, they might not always be very meaningful to yogis who are not very familiar with his teachings or to those who are relatively new to meditation and to Dhamma study. We therefore suggest that you take inspiration from the ones that immediately make sense to you and that you skip the ones that do not speak to you. Mulling over points you cannot connect with is likely to confuse or frustrate you. That in itself is very good advice. If you hit something in Buddhist teachings or you hit some uh, someone's explanation of something or a topic that you just you don't understand, don't don't let it frustrate you or confuse you. It's there's always Oh, okay, Lynn is saying, Lynn, thank you that the book appears to be offered free on his website. I, I was wondering about that. And she's put up, yeah, I think she may have put up some information about it. Um, if, you're, if you're confused by something and you don't have access to a good teacher or a good uh, commentary or someone, someone whose opinions whose uh, wisdom about it you can trust, sometimes it's better to just put it aside for a while and, and look, at something, look at something else because it's very easy to go down a rabbit hole just the same way we do whenever we get, on, get online and find, oh, we get sidetracked. I, I get sidetracked very easily if I'm looking for one thing and I can go down a rabbit hole, even even on concepts uh, or st- making doing a sutta study, and get totally sidetracked. So we can do that if it's something we are trying to learn more about or understand more. And you can get into all different kinds of what seems like a conflicting viewpoint on something, and it might just be. Uh, the language a person uses, or the tradition they're coming from, or how much experience they have. So, don't don't worry if it doesn't make sense. 
But I'm just going to read a few of these. I'm not going to skip. I'm just going to read the first eight. Number one, if there is even a little expectation, the mind gets confused. Watch your attitude. Don't expect results. Number two, when you use wisdom, effort is already present. Three, being mindful is being aware of what is right here already. Four, when the mind is idle, it will think. <laughs> That's very short and pithy, but isn't it the truth? Uh, five, whenever you are upset, look within. There is nothing and nobody out there you can blame for your state of mind. Number six, having assumptions is delusion at work. Seven, it is important to learn to see clearly the difference between the object and the mind. Which is the object? Which is the mind? Number eight, whenever people get depressed, it is a sure sign that they wanted something and that they did not get it. That's eight. I said I'd only read eight, so I'm stopping there, marking my place along with the other four bookmarks I have. Um, he is... Well, I hope you go to his website, and it is Tejan... Tejania, Tejania, I'm sorry, Tejania is a pronunciation, T-E-J-A-N-I-Y-A. And I think if you just Google that, you'll get, you'll get his, uh, you'll get information on him. Um, so it's just so good. I want to just keep it anywhere I stop. I want to read something from it. So on a day like today, if it's our snow is still really coming down here, I think they've plowed several times already, and it's you can't you can see the sidewalks a tiny bit, but the road the driveway is completely completely covered. Um, it's that's kind of a nice day. I have a friend though. Um, I have a story about bread pudding, and. Uh, uh, oh, maybe three, four years, four years ago, um, I really was sick, and the I it kept being misdiagnosed, and ended up I had pneumonia, and so when I finally was diagnosed with pneumonia, um, then I just you know, I quit doing everything. I kept thinking it was something else and I was taking antibiotics and the doctors would say, okay, it should be clearing up and it would just get worse and worse. So I had I kept doing some things, not realizing how sick I was. So when it was finally diagnosed and I was just told to go home and stay in bed, about all I could do was sleep. And uh, my good friend Marty wanted to know, and I wasn't eating very much at all, but the sleeping was was good. And uh, 
my good friend Marty wanted to know, and this was way before COVID, um, wanted to know what she could do if there was something that I could eat that would that I could that would make me interested in eating something. And the only thing that came into my mind was bread pudding. And I'm from the South, of course, so I think that's part of the reason. But it just sounded like something soft, and it would go down easily. And and I hadn't it. it I've rarely had it since I've moved, it, unless I made it myself when I was was uh, when my kids were younger. Um, I don't think I'd made it too often, but it just felt like something that would be easy to eat, and and uh, it's you know, all I could think of. And she went on a great search to find bread pudding. And uh, it was, it's not, was, wasn't easy then, and it's not easy today to find it. And I don't know if Marty had ever even tasted it. And she found it. And she found the most magnificent, incredible dessert. And it was at uh, Dave's Barbecue and there used to be one not too far from here on a big shopping street, Randall Road. And it's a restaurant and it's a barbecue restaurant. So I guess they they have huge amounts of food and they have incredible, they're really large desserts. So she found their bread pudding dessert and, and got some to go. And it was actually about three desserts in one. It had different kinds of toppings and different, um, it, it was un- unbelievable. And so she brought that to me and it, and it really was the only thing I had any interest in eating over about a two day period. And so it was just, it was just wonderful because there wasn't anything that, that had any taste for me. And so we always joke about bread pudding and then that restaurant, Dave's restaurant, the, his, his place shut down. I, I think there's still some in the country, but the one the one here shut down. So there was no more of that incredible, magnificent, <laughs> unbelievable bread pudding anymore. So I have a friend who's recovering now from COVID who, who lives in my building, and uh, she's lost a lot of weight. And she's trying to, and she's on oxygen now, but she's home from the hospital. And I've been, uh, I know she has a sweet tooth and she has no appetite. So she's really needing to gain weight back and find things that she likes. And her son's bringing her all good, healthy food. And so she said to me, she needed something sweet. So I got, I, I didn't have, uh, I think I gave her 85% chocolate bars, which I'm sure was just barely, I didn't have anything sweeter. So I've been looking for sweet things for her to entice her to uh, just get some more calories and have a little bit of energy, even if she's not eating healthy things. And so in my search, I said, told her the story about Marty and the bread pudding. And she said, bread pudding. I said, that, that would work. That would that would do it. And she's from the Northeast, so I was surprised she knew about bread pudding. But uh, I've been on a search for bread pudding for her, and today was going to be the day I went out and, and found it. And I had an idea of maybe two places where they might have it. And uh, I'm not going to get out in the snow. So the bread pudding journey 
the search for the perfect bread pudding has to wait until tomorrow. So maybe today I'll be calling some places because I know if you're really sick and you have no appetite, you need to you need to be eating things. And uh, so it turns out that bread pudding was just was not just my perfect food. Uh, I found someone else who shares the same. That's that same secret hunger somewhere inside for that <laughs> something that's soft and cool and uh, goes down easily and and it's 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 a perfect comfort food that's what it is so I hope you have someone you can uh, you can find their bread pudding and help them out and enjoy finding it and then enjoy giving it. And I'm not eating bread and sugar, so I think I have, at first I thought maybe I'm going to have to get some for myself. And I thought, no, the reason I can't make any for her is that I don't have the ingredients. I'm not eating those things these days. So it's fun trying to find it for her, but I think it will be more fun to find it for her and realize I'm not going to eat it myself. So find find someone in your life who needs some bread pudding and or, or find out what their bread pudding is. It might just be sending someone a card. Um, it might be giving someone a call. It might be giving someone some chocolate or just um, connecting with someone some way. And you'll feel good. You'll feel good doing it and they'll feel even better receiving it. So I think our time is running out. So why don't we just sit, and you can keep sitting. We'll sit for a few minutes together, and then see if you can sit a little longer on your own, just being quiet and letting letting that still self speak to you. I see the birds that are out looking for. I tried to put food in some places that I thought wouldn't be covered in snow this morning. And those spots were, so I'll have to go out and find some other spots in a few minutes. So close your eyes if you can. Just let your body know that you're ready to be aware and attentive to the present moment. Just let the thoughts come through your mind. Don't try to stop the thoughts. We're not thinking, we're not looking at a tight control of ourselves. We're gradually learning about our mind, about our about ourselves. We're really learning how to find a way to stop suffering. And we can do that. Suffering is that discontent that we all experience. And it ranges from some very mild sense of um, there's not enough 
or I've had my bread pudding, but now I want more and more and more, all the way to uh, terrible physical pain and suffering. So we begin by just being present in our bodies. Be present in your physical body. Let your thoughts come and go. We don't need to feed our thinking right now. Be aware of the body breathing. Just allow yourself to relax and yet be awake and attentive. We don't need to be alert uh, as if we're watching for an emergency or a tiger to come upon us, but be attentive. Just be attentive to whatever is going on around you. Be aware to your sense doors picking up. We're picking up smell and taste and touch and sound. And our mind is thinking. We see the work of our mind. That's where we want to uh, just let things be aware of everything, but not getting distracted by any of it. Just let it be. Feel your body relaxing. Be aware of each breath. The body is breathing in and breathing out.
May you all be well and feel safe. May you be content and finding joy in the small things in your life. May you be at peace. I'll see you again on Thursday. And reach out, find your bread pudding, and find bread pudding for someone you care about and love. Maybe let us know what your bread pudding is. Thank you so much for being part of my practice.